weekend was kind of a long weekend and by the time I saw your message that it was time to start I was like dozing off I was going to bed it was like two o'clock here at <laughs> two o'clock right <laughs> yeah yeah I think it was like Saturday night and it was a long night of practice so right yeah ended up getting canceled today because weather and all that so yeah it's snowing right uh it was snowing it was snowing during the week and today it was like i will practice in the snow but not the rain <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's interesting right I mean, yeah the wintertime practices oh yeah that, that's my good buddy mike I, I mean mike and i met my rookie year when i was playing for the uh central illinois cougars and okay Car- carlinville illinois you probably know where that is you know where litchfield is yeah 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 that that area i live in that area so we okay. met he was he was a receiver and i was a corner uh, i was trying to play free but they put me at corner so i i went with the flow because i played a little bit of corner in high school mostly corner in high school but yeah and so i left for basic training and it was, it was kind of weird and messed up at the same time because i they uh i had my phone at one point while i was in basic training and the team get, asked me if I was going to come back and play. I was like, yeah, obviously, I, lo- I love playing for you guys. And next <laughs> thing I know, they kicked me out of the group chat and every, group chats and everything. So I got home. I was like, I wonder what my buddy Mike's doing. So uh, he got an offensive coordinating job for this team in Missouri. Hmm. And he invited me out. And I played safety there and started every game, played, played all of uh, special teams and free at the same time I, that's where i got my first semi-pro pick at nice and, and then now he uh got a head coaching job for the midwest lions here in illinois close to home so he pulled me there so you're basically over there now in um in illinois yep okay cool so are you close to so you're close to home now or are you still kind uh, of far i'm closer home now than you yeah. know i mean yeah. I, I i was closer with the cougars before but because uh, that was only like 10 minute drive, this one's like 30 minute drive, so it's not minutes. too bad. Yeah, but, not uh, too... yeah, Missouri was like on the other side of St. Louis, so that was <laughs> I mean, St. Louis is like 45 minutes from my house, but like try maybe an hour, hour 15. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because um, one of my teammates on, on the Falcons, uh, Dan, he actually played at Wash, he was, he was, he was, he was our kicker. And uh, he's from Springfield, and so um, he wasn't too far. So he would obviously go to St. Louis, you know, every now and then, and then come back. And it was obviously it was it was nothing for him, you know, because obviously from St. Louis to Springfield it was maybe like thirty minutes or an hour at most. So yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, but it just depends, you know. So. Yeah, I'm like right in between. So like, if I want to go to Springfield, like the only thing I really do go to in Springfield is Shields there. Yeah, it, it's so huge, and they have a variety of sports and more than a hibbit sports or a dick sporting goods or anything like that they have yeah. like all kinds of varieties where i go down to st louis and either go to a cardinals and blues game or i go right on the other side to chesterfield outlet mall where they got the under armor oakley and nike outlet stores and all that yeah they basically yeah. kind of have like a variety of things for you to do yeah kind of i mean that's the best part of being in between i mean the drives kind of get to you a little bit but you know it's it's not too bad. Yeah, I mean, it's just like you know, it's kind of odds, right? You just kind of balance out, kind of you know, do you want to like if you want to play, you know, are you going to play close to home? Do you want to play for a team that's better? Maybe a little bit of drive, you know what I mean? And uh, essentially, it's just kind of weighing that out. And you know, if you're able to still play, you know, nothing like it. But I mean, t- t- I mean, everyone everyone has different ways of looking at it, you know. Um, essentially, just you know, if, as long as you're able to kind of make the most of it, then you're good. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. I, I'll play wherever I am. I mean, if there's a team there, I'll probably play for it, you know, say like I moved to Cali where you live now. I mean, I probably, <laughs> I probably find a team out there somewhere. Yes, I sir. Mean, it, it, it doesn't matter where you play. It's for the love of the game, but it's like your priorities. Like, do you want to be closer to your family or do you just want to play to play? But I mean, you, in football, I mean, playing to play, like you come across a lot of different personalities, like, this current team, like we we have a veteran cornerback, and so I kind of just pick his ear the whole time. My mind you, I'm 19, almost 20, and I've been. I when I first started, I was 17. Right. I, I was I was fresh out of high school, like high school football. I was playing 
high school baseball and semi-pro football at the same time. So I was like, I got, <laughs> I got football on the weekend, and then I got like four or five baseball games this week. I was like, so I got to balance games, practices, and football games. And, you know, it, it was tough. I made it through it. And, you know, that's all that mattered. But, uh, I mean, there's kind of downsides with, like, coming to a new team. Because, like, this team, the team that I'm on now, the Lions, is brand new, completely restarted by the owner. But uh, there's, like, a variety of people. And we, we have a uh, guy, he plays corner for us. He's actually in the semi-pro Hall of Fame. So I pick his ear the whole time. And, uh, I mean, there's times where all these younger guys about my age want to talk, talk crap on them, you know. Like, I, I see people do to you on Facebook. I'm like, man, <laughs> this, this guy's amounted to more than probably most of you guys have. Yeah, th- there's the three rings right there. <laughs> and then the all-star jersey in the back. Right there. Yeah, you know, I mean, you, you can't be doing this. You got to pick, pick their ears kind of get like what they've learned throughout the years because this guy's been playing for he's like 30 something now he's been playing for almost 20 years or something like that 20 years yeah wow yeah so So he's he's probably mid to late 30s i'm assuming yeah yeah okay he's he's been in for a long time and so like being a safety i i kind of got to pick his ear too so like i mean we're both on page but at safety you could learn a lot from the corners as well as they can learn from you. So I kind of, I kind of take it day by day, learning from all the older guys that have been in for a while and all that. So, and I mean, that's, that, and that's a good approach, you know, um, you know, obviously, you know, with, with, uh, you know, last, last year I played was, was, was roughly three years ago um, with the Chicago Falcons and um, essentially with that team, um, you know, I was also kind of like, you know, veteran kind of leader ish, you know, kind of role. Um, and essentially kind of with the younger guys, you know, most of them are either, you know, around your age, I would say, um, yeah. you know, and, uh, so kind of with special teams, um, especially with kickoffs and uh, field goal and, and punt and fake punt and you know, kick return. Um, you know, I was kind of like, you know, the, uh, the de facto kind of captain, so to speak, you know, and kind of, you know, making sure everyone understood their formations their assignments, understand lane integrity, understand like the basic fundamentals, um, you know, for, especially for guys who had never actually played. Uh, past high school right yeah. and um, essentially it was kind of like it was a good learning experience for a lot of these guys who wanted to who were hoping to go play t- who had aspirations to play at the next level whether that was college or were those guys trying to use this to condition to try maybe get a pro tryout you know because obviously semi-pro is a boiling pot full of multi multiple people from different backgrounds um the thing is that obviously it depends on what you do with it you know i mean if you can take it and use it as a vehicle to get the next level or if you just love playing just to continue playing I mean, you know, more power to everybody, right? I think but yeah. ultimately it's just making sure that whatever you do, um, you do it with full force and you do it with the with the highest degree of acuity and focus because essentially, I mean, it's your opportunity when you're out there, you know what I mean? There's no one else that's going to basically be able to, you know, make the play uh, uh, on, on your behalf, so. Yeah. yeah. And, and the cool thing about it is, like, there's so much adversity and you, you, you get to make a lot of new friends through, throughout that whole thing. Like, I remember... Uh, uh, my, my, it's, it's just a football thing in general. Like it's like a brotherhood, my senior, my senior year. So I, I actually didn't start playing football till my freshman year where others were, have played since they were in third grade or right. like football in kindergarten. Right. And, uh, my, I remember when I was in elementary about fifth grade, I was like, dad, I want to play football with all, all my buddies. And he's like, <laughs> no, you're going to stick with baseball. And it, it was like that throughout me- middle school too. Cause right. I was really good at baseball too. I, I was a good double sport a- athlete on top of that. I also wrestled and played basketball at the same time. And, uh, my freshman year, they held, they held signups for high school football. So I was like, I don't care what my dad says. I'm going and signing up. <laughs> so I went and signed up and my mom was like, you, he's in high school now. He can do what he wants. So I, I went out for football my freshman year. I had one interception that year. I wasn't, I wasn't good my freshman year. I mean, it was my first year playing. I was trying to get a hang on actually playing the sport and not watching or playing Madden like I always do and and have done. And, uh, I mean, I I was a hot mess that (laughs) year. And then I just progressively got better throughout the year, just learning and watching watching the NFL and all these other other types of football leagues, whether it was in Australia or wherever it was. So – 
I remember my bet. I think my best year was my senior year because the older you get, like the more you progress. And I mean, me and my but me and my buddy Zane, we we've been friends since like elementary. We grew up together, hung out together. His grandma is like kind of technically my grandma. Nice. I mean, not not no relation, but like I'm over there a lot, and like I stay over there a lot, just like brothers type of situation. We'll watch UFC fight fight nights and stuff together, and probably go out and get pizza and travel the city. But uh, yeah, we we got real close, and we didn't get to play much in high school because like we're, in small towns, you go by who whoever has the most money and the names first. So it's kind of a trying to overcome diversity because we had we had a kid that whose family made money off of owning a funeral home and they donate a lot of money to the football team just so their kids could start and their <laughs> oldest actually started Man. my fre- my freshman year it pissed his, his freshman year while I was a uh, sophomore and it pissed off a lot of people and you know you just had people that guys that thought they were good that would fake injuries like it was like they were in the NFL or something like hobbling <laughs> off it it our high school was a hot mess right I our my freshman year I remember our varsity went two and nine I mean two and seven wow. and then we went two and seven the next year it was the same way my junior year <laughs> and then my senior year we turned it around and we fell short a game away from the playoffs Man. and I remember we we had this game I think my best game was my senior night game, my senior year. I had two interceptions that game. It, I should have had three, but I jumped too early on an interception, and he just mossed my ass. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it felt like a moss, but I was, like, halfway down to the ground, and I kind of yeah. stepped in a pothole in the field because our field, like, towards the end of the season, like, it started getting a little bumpy. Yeah. It, but – you know, like if I was in, Zane was in, and that that's how we rolled. Like we wouldn't play play without without each other, and you know, it was just like a brotherhood type thing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, football is like you get to make a ton of friendships, brotherhoods, and like some of those will go throughout your whole life. And uh, Zane, he's actually got a daughter now. He's my age too, <laughs> and. Uh, he, he's talked to me about being the uh godfather and stuff so that that's pretty cool i mean yeah it really is right if it's just like yeah. life creeps up on you yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> yeah it's it's like one of those things it really it, is you know i mean life is pretty amazing it's just the way you feel like living it 100 percent, 100 percent. you know and obviously like you know i mean um you know even through even through obviously like the politics you had to endure with in high school that sounds like you know yeah you, it, it didn't stop you from continuing playing and you know that that's the number one thing you know as long as long as you're able to find you know positivity and getting out there and making the most of your opportunity every single um you know snap that you get out there you know, you're basically doing yourself a service, you know, and, uh, you know, for me personally, you know, my story was that when I, when, when I was playing, um, when I started playing college, the reason why I played college, I, I was because I couldn't even play in high school because my grades just weren't good enough because my first couple years, I was just being a fucking knucklehead and I got my grades around back my junior year. By the time, you know, I was ready to, you know, kind of, you know, try out for the team. Um, cause, I mean, it was basically my junior to senior summer, and so or senior senior year is spring, and so I spoke to the coach at the time, Coach Sweeney. Then he transitioned the new coach, Coach Mannion. I spoke to him, and I mean, it just it just didn't seem like I would have been ready um, at that time. So I basically Mannion, I was speaking to him, you know, throughout throughout the off season, and um, he basically gave me some good advice in the sense that he's all, I'm like, he's like, what's your goal, Asif? I'm like, well, I want, I I do want to play for SJSU. He's like. He's like, this school's been kicking ass for football for 25 years. Only three guys have gone D1A, you know, straight out. He's like, if your goal is to go D1A, go, go, you know, walk on a Juco, get some film, and then see where that takes you. And so essentially from there, then I was able to walk on San City College. And uh, this is back in 2008. But essentially, I was able to walk on there. And um, with that, basically, uh, I was able to kind of figure out, okay, like, you know, yeah, I can either be a receiver, I could be a DB, and, you know, I, I excelled at, at being a receiver. Um, because of obviously my length, uh, for, for, for my height and also just my ability to run routes. And I think it was a great experience for me because ultimately, um, with those guys, um, I really got a lot of, uh, a lot of experience. Like my first practice there, James Jones and the Packers is doing the ladder. I'm just saying like, oh my God, like James fucking Jones and the Packers is here doing the ladder. (laughs) 
like, what the fuck did I get myself into? <laughs> you know what I mean? And, but it, it's it's so cool because when you have that there as a standard, it pushes you to want to be that much better. You know, and especially as a 17, 18 year old kid straight out of high school who's never played before. I mean, that to me really kind of just helped you kind of, you know, build some kind of self-esteem and build some confidence in my abilities as an athlete from that point forward. And from there, you know, my coach Dub, who, a coach, my receivers coach, my freshman was coach Dub, aka Keith Williams, who was the, who, who actually left the following year to go to Fresno State. Um, and then now he works at NFL receivers. Um, he was, he was a huge influence on my life because, you know, he was one of the guys who basically didn't treat me any different than either than any of the returning sophomores any of the NFL guys who were there on our spring ball facility at that time or anyone else. Like he was just one of those guys who would just kind of just treat everyone the same. And when you kind of have that standard there, it kind of teaches you to always humble yourself because you have an NFL player like James Jones out there doing the ladder it, that, that tells you, you have no excuses. You know, there's no really, there's literally no excuses for you to, to go out there and give it 110% every single practice, every single play. And obviously that, that carried me the distance. Right. And essentially, yeah. you know, I mean, from there, you know, went to West Valley college and I've got a special teams player, you know, even though we, even, even, even though we didn't win any games and I was able to go on the San Jose Sabercats tryout and I was able to get, um, you know, uh, after San Jose Sabercats, I was able to go to the Stockton Wolves of the AIF, the arena, the American indoor arena football league, which is just start, which just started at that point. And then uh, both times I didn't make it. Then finally the Wolves rebranded as California Eagles, and then they called me back, and I was able to make it on their practice. Uh, they're actually actually the, the active roster, and uh, and at that so I'm getting paid to play them. I'm, I'm professional. I'm like, all right, sweet, you know. And uh, but also it's like, all right, cool. Like I'm 22 years old now. I'm getting paid to play, and uh, you know what's next? You know after this, you know, because we had a great season. You know we were able to make it to the championship game. Uh, and then I end up getting this ring, this big one right here, and maybe you can read that. Let me point it that way. Actually, no, you can't. Yeah. Let me turn on the light. One second. Uh, give me one sec. Let me turn on the light. That way you can read that. <laughs> All right, there we go. Special teams player of the year. Yes, sir. <laughs> so we were the conference champions, Western Conference champions, 2012, right? And I won yeah. special, and, and I won league special teams player of the year. And um, that to me was probably my crowning achievement because, you know, obviously, you know, I'd grinded, you know, because up to that point in 2012, like, you know, I'd been playing from 2008 San Jose City College, 2009 West Valley College, 2010 with the Arena Football League with the Stanley Sabercats, trying out and combining conditioning. 2011 can still conditioning to get on a roster with the with the Cal, with the um, the Stockton Wolves and you know obviously that that didn't pan out. Finally 2012 I make it so five straight years and then uh, we, we we make it we win the Western Conference. I win I win league league special teams player of the year. We make it to the championship game. We get blown out 79-27. <laughs> but I mean ultimately I mean that was I mean it was it was a it was a fucking phenomenal run, man, because you're just basically like I mean for me obviously just you know being a 22-year-old kid and just being out there in like these these facilities and these indoor arenas with like 20 to sometimes 15, 20, 25,000 people packed. You know, especially especially overseas, especially when we went to like the to, to the Carolinas and the South. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was just like it was a whole different atmosphere. And um, you know, for me personally, it's like that to me kind of taught that that was the most that was the best experience I ever had. You know, um, you know, I wasn't able to get any film because after a team folded, they were very they were very restrictive on on providing film to players because I'm, I'm not sure why, but I think it was like a league policy. For some reason, because they violate some, they violate some uh, some suspensions, and they and the owner the owner didn't pay some players, so there's some lawsuits pending. So we weren't able to get anything from that season. But I mean, I got this. So I don't really care. But um, essentially, <laughs> essentially, it, it was it was a great run, right? And then yeah. pretty much from there, I'm just like, mom's like, you need to get a real fucking job. I'm like, all right, <laughs> I'll figure this out. <laughs> I basically decided to take my units, transfer to Cal State, finish my bachelor's, then I start working. Now I'm in my current field, in IT consulting. Um, and then pretty much, you know, after that, then I finally finished my master's in the rounds like 2017. And then basically I get let go from my job. Um, and then, uh, I have an option. I can either stay here in the Bay in Cali, or I, I, I get offered a real kid to Chicago in Illinois, um, for Blue Cross Shield. And, uh, I basically take that and run with it. And so at around 20, late 2017. So that's when Jimmy starts first starts for our Niners. Right. You yeah. Know, yeah. And I was able to watch his first start in Chicago when he, when he, and when, when Robbie Gold kicked the field goal. And then 2018, April, is, is basically when the Chicago Falcons, when I basically, you know, was able to come out of retirement after six years of inactivity and play for them. And uh, that's where I got uh, this ring, right? Actually, this ring. This ring right here. So, yeah. Chicago Falcons, right? 
And so we were able to basically uh, we made it we made it to the uh, mid states uh, the the conference championship, and uh, and I was named All Star. And there's a jersey right there for that. You've already seen that. Everyone's seen that. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. I mean, it was. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think I feel like semi pro was my most fun because I had the biggest role. Um, but it was obviously different than obviously playing in arena or playing in JUCO because it's a lot less organized. You know, it's a lot less. Yeah. Um, you don't have all the guys who have to practice. You don't have to practice five days a week. You don't have. You, you you have guys who may not be able to get to the games on time, or they have yeah. to carpool. You know what I mean? So you, I mean, these are issues I weren't, I wasn't really accustomed to when I was yeah. playing college. And, yeah, go ahead. And, and the worst part about it is like you you come you come to teams and you only get like maybe eight to ten players show up to practice, and you're like, <laughs> what the hell? What the hell is this? Like, and, and and then it starts. Your your team captains primarily show up the most, right. and then it gets to the point where the team captains don't even show up to practice anymore. <laughs> But then you get, uh, but then you get twenty-seven unexcused players show up to a game the ne- the next day. Like, where are you guys yesterday? <laughs> and, and and that's the thing, right? Because it's like, oh, but you, it's like, and the guys will tell you, oh yeah, but this is semi-pro. We're just basically working. We have jobs. We have families. This is a leisure. It's a pastime. But that's like, okay, but sure. But it's like, if you want to be on a team, like, if 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 it's a pastime, isn't winning part of that? Like, yeah. don't you want to win, right? Yeah. And it's just like. Oh, but we're too good. Like we're good enough not to. And I mean, yes, some some of them are right. But then I felt like I not I had a duty to the younger guys to kind of just be there to kind of you know be like a mentor, be like a kind of like you know a veteran, and also like with especially with special teams and being also slot. You know, what I mean, slot receiver. You know, running the routes. I mean, because there were some young guys. You know, I mean, basically you know close to your age. You know, who are basically I saw I specifically like you know I mean they, some guys were were converting positions, meaning that. Some guys were like running backs trying to play receivers. Some guys receivers trying to play running backs. Some guys were basically new to special teams. They weren't used to kickoff. They weren't used to punt. They weren't used to kind of, you know, lining up and, you know, delaying tackling and all these types of concepts, right? So basically, like, you know, for me, playing slot, I mean, I, I knew how to run straight, you know? And some guys, they, they run laterally. Coach would basically scream, they just chew their ass up, and then and then, and then, then, then they make me run it, and I'd run straight. And the guys, and they'd, be, and they'd be like, yeah, look at, look at 81. You know, follow, follow him. Follow Ali. 81 right there. That's how you run, you know? And then, and then, like you know, then then the the kids pull me aside, and say, okay, yeah, like how do you just? I'm like literally, just keep your legs, keep your keep your knees high, and run straight, straight in the line, you know, because you want to go straight towards the end zone, and that's pretty much what you have to do, you know. So, yeah. essentially, I mean, I think it's just little things like that that people don't really appreciate, but I mean, they're critical in the game of football, especially when you're when you're transitioning positions, um, and you're and you're trying to figure out kind of what your kind of nice sweet spot is, you know, depending on you know whatever it is, you know. I mean, obviously for you, I mean, it seems like you've been playing the same position, you know, which is which is good, you know, because if yeah. you're familiar with DB, then you no know, more time just stay with oh, DB. Yeah. Right? I mean, I mean, when I started, I, I started playing uh, re- receiver. I wanted to be I wanted to be a running back, but I wanted to be a receiver more because like learning plays as a receiver, learning routes is more easier. I, in, in my perspective of like trying to figure out as a running back, which hole to hit. And maybe if this isn't open, what if I have to cut right? And, you know, you got to worry about how your linemen are reading the play. And, you know, it sometimes it's a mess. Cause like, if they read the wrong play, then like, they, they think it's like the complete opposite. Like yeah. they think it's a counter. They think it's a counter but it's really just like a straight outside zone run. Right. That hole opens up on the right, and then the whole line's like, what, what are you doing? Right. But like, did, what, another right. thing that really grinds my gears is like when, when like people don't show up to practice, but like they'll get to a game and like the coaches will have someone that's been there to practice. Mm-hmm. And then the guy that doesn't show up is like, why is he in? I'm, I'm way better than him. And then they put that guy out there and he doesn't even perform. Like, <laughs> Are you sure you could do that better than that? <laughs> it's always easier from a computer screen. Yesterday's guest, Ken Shamrock, I mean, I remember I, I, I told him this to, 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 when, to start off the interview. He was basically, he was ta- I saw him on Twitter because I watched Impact Wrestling this past week. And I saw him on Twitter because and, and he there's one fan, he retweeted one fan. One fan said, Ken Shamrock looks like some old guy who just scowls a lot. And then Ken basically retweeted the guy and he basically said this. He said, Everything looks safer from the couch. Try me. <laughs> and essentially, that's what it is. It's like, especially the same thing in football, especially in semi-pro or any type of sport. It's like, and I mean, anything. I mean, like for me, it's like, and I'm not, I'm no stranger to it. As, as you've already seen, you know, obviously on social media yeah. and stuff like that. I'm no stranger to it. The biggest thing is just like, you know, everyone has an opinion. Everyone thinks they're the best. 
because that's just what they think. You know, you need something to keep you going. You know, some the, sometimes I get it from guys who never even played. They're like, oh, dude, like, yeah, no, your whole your whole playing career is fake. I'm like, okay, like, all right, what does that even mean? Like, a playing career is fake. I'm fucking great, all right. I mean, but right. essentially, but that, it's just it's just little things like that. They that that they try to say to get under your skin, or they try to belittle what you've what you've accomplished because you know it's it's just kind of there. It's just them to to kind of buff up their own ego. What you need yeah. to do, what you need to do in those situations, is understand. Okay, cool. Like you know, if you think you're better, then show me. If you think you're better, or if if you think this is nothing, you go out there and do it. You know, and I basically just you know, I mean, I use numbers and facts anytime that you know, because I don't play anymore, I can't do that as much as I used to, right? Where it's like, all right, you think you can run the route already? Yeah, all right, I'll I'll see how this play. You know, you go ahead and run it. And I just I sit there like this. I mean, literally just like this, and I'd see him you run the play or you run the route. And we'll, and we'll see if you know exactly what the coverage is. You'll know exactly which way to, 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 to split the zone. If it's a slant or if, it, or if it's a dig or if it's an out. And if you don't, <laughs> then when you come back here, you know, I, I'm going to say, okay, so, so what did you do wrong? And then if you don't have an answer for me, that'll be, okay, how about you sit here and watch me? And then, we, then, we'll, then we'll talk on the next play, right? Yeah. So I think essentially those are types of things that people don't really kind of pick up on. I think, but I mean, like, you know, leadership by example, obviously is, is, is kind of like, you know, my, 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 my method of leadership. But I also think um, kind of with social media too, it's the same thing. I mean, just like, you know, Hey man, you know I mean? You're talking shit, you know, here's, here's my numbers. You know I mean? Are you, do you have the same credibility that I have? You probably don't, but that's why you're talking to me because if you had the credibility I have, yeah. you'd be on, you'd be on the same, but you'd be talking to someone else <laughs> like yeah. way up here. You know, so that's exactly kind of the whole kind of mindset mantra with, especially with the superstar mentality, you know, because yeah. kind of what you were talking about. The superstar mentality, everyone thinks they're a superstar, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it's it's all fun and games behind a computer screen until you get face to face, you know, and they're right. like, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> I mean, he probably knows way more than I do. Yeah, <laughs> He knows way more than I do. You're right. And I mean, that's exactly it. I think, um, and I think it's just funny because... Ken Shamrock is a is, is, is a UFC Hall of Famer and a professional wrestling Hall of Famer. He basically is a Hall of Famer in both in both wrestling and and mixed martial arts, right? He's a combat yeah. sports legend. Like, I mean, if, if if he has to deal with this, then it feels everyone has to deal with it. Michael yeah. Jordan, LeBron, I mean, all these guys have to deal with this shit at some point. You know, it's just like and the reason why is because you know what everyone wants to think that they're an athlete, you know, because when they watch athletes, they want to be able to just, it inspires them. It literally does. You know, I mean, you may not even realize it, but there may be someone that you're inspiring and then, you know, and they see you, they either will be like, oh, yeah, no, you're not that good or, oh, yeah, you know, I mean, and, and, and they'll, they'll say something to you either, you know, on the field, off of it, whatever. So that way, you know, it kind of gets you because they want to they want to test you, you know, and I feel like that's what I learned throughout my career, you know, whether it was I was playing arena, you know, professionally playing junior, junior collegiate ball, playing semi semi pro. It, it's all the same it's all the same you know it's just you have to develop that that kind of you know that that that, that thickness uh, uh the skin thickness right i mean maybe 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 not so much for like you know um for certain players you know who who who, who aren't like you know subject of it as much as i was right because obviously I was, I was a huge subject of it because of the kind of the publicity and kind of my my name just you know yeah. just out there right yeah. but um you know it, it, I, I'm, I'm very fortunate for that because it's just one of those things where it's like okay now when i talk to the guys kids your age or like you know anyone who's like you know trying to get into the sport and was a fan that follows me prospective athlete right or current yeah. athlete it, it, I, I can just kind of give you guys my experiences my lessons because you know pretty much what you're telling me is something that i've i've seen at every level and it, yeah. it, it, it's just it's just part of the game you know so yeah yeah i mean talk about getting ken shamrock on here your next step should be rvd rvd bro i was actually <laughs> thinking about that yeah rvd might be nice right uh, rvd yeah. would, be, would, 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 would be a pretty good addition so yeah, yeah i'd be all I mean, like Good. Growing up, growing up, he was one of my favorite wrestlers. Like yeah. at the time, I mean, I mean, I, re I remember at that time you also had the Hurricane, who had a short, <laughs> short-lived, shortly-lived career. I mean, he, he had a cool gimmick. Don't don't get me wrong, but he was such a jobber. <laughs> <laughs> Stand back! There's a hurricane coming through. Yes, no, he was funny. Oh, I mean, yeah. like, and then and then I remember when he had those promos where he interrupt someone and then he'd be all like. Hunter, you said that you did this, but then you said this. What's up with that? It's like okay, it's like all right, Hurricane, I got it. <laughs> yeah, my uh, my uncle, he uh, used to do like these little interview things. I don't remember like what his job was or mm -hmm. what he did, but uh, I re I remember he was telling me a story about how he uh was going down to the bar and he got to meet uh an interview 
Randy Orton and his uh, father, Cowboy Bob Orton. Ooh, yeah. nice. Yeah, he, okay. he also got to uh, have phone call interviews with Triple H and all those guys. He, I think he said, like, out of all of them, I think the worst one was Triple H. It had to be. He's like, he's like one of the guys that, like, out of character, he's, like, kind of hard to get along with. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't strike me as someone that, like, I would even want to see, like, you know, in character, because, I mean, I mean, I grew up, like, I, like, late 90s, so mid to late 90s, and then early 2000s were were the years that I got to see wrestling, so basically the peak, the Attitude Era, and and early with the Discretion Era. Triple H was great in the Attitude Era, because he had the guys he could, he could, he could, he could feed off of, meaning he could feed off of The Rock, he could feed off of Austin. You know, but then when it came time for him to become the number one guy in the in the ruthless aggression era on Raw, um, he basically couldn't. There was no number one uh, face to kind of go head to head with him, and and it, the ratings, the ratings, and the and, and and the buy rates dwindled significantly yeah. because with Triple H, he's not he's he's not the guy. Jim Cornette said it best. Jim Cornette basically said Triple H is the guy that you that you put with the guy who's the draw. Now the issue is if you don't have a draw, then you're basically Triple H is basically a fish out of water, just trying to basically be the heel running the show. And fans like you know, I mean, young fans like myself or whoever was watching that time, it's just like, this is the guy with like you know, like this evolution gimmick and this whole bullcrap of him holding the belt forever and no one can beat him. He comes out every single week talking about how he's the best, how he's this, how he's that. Uh, I mean, and, and it's not even entertaining. It's just like it just seems like it's because this, this, this narcissistic, douchey type of type of stick, and it doesn't really kind of fit what the fans are looking for. Whereas you go on SmackDown, you know, one of my 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 you know my favorite wrestler of all time, Kurt Angle, yeah, versus Lesnar was yeah, good. You suck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I, I loved Kurt Angle. He was he was probably one of my favorites. Um, I mean, yeah, and it, it, that kind of that story of uh. Triple H holding the belt a long time and not really catching any like vibes off of it. That, that kind of like gives you a reminder of Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman because Brock Lesnar wouldn't show up for like three straight months. And then all of a sudden he's like, I got a towel match next month at like SummerSlam or whatever. Yeah. And, but like you, you'd see Paul Heyman like every other week talking about how Brock Lesnar is going to do this and do that. And where, but where's Brock Lesnar at and where's the title, you know? <laughs> And that's a good point because, I mean, with Brock Lesnar, I mean, I think ever since he became a part-time, uh, like, kind of employee, I mean, he just, he basically stopped taking it seriously, you know? Um, and, I mean, rightfully so, I guess. Not, maybe not rightfully so, but as much as, I mean, it made sense as to why. You know, I think um, it made sense because Brock Lesnar is one of those guys who you're going to basically expect to just be there, you know, when you need him to be there, but... I mean, I think he could have. I mean, Kurt Angle talks about it. I mean, Brock Lesnar is being from Minnesota, right? So, yeah. Brock Lesnar being from Minnesota, he's not the type of guy who who wants to take time away from us. He's a, he's a, he's a very kind of um, he's a very family oriented guy. He's very kind of reclusive. He's not he's not a people person. He's not on social media. He's, he's he he doesn't like interacting. I mean, he'll he'll take pictures with fans if you like see him like if you run into him. But he doesn't like the limelight. He doesn't like. And the reason why he went to UFC was because. It, it, it allowed him to be close to his family um, and only have to train. He only has to train in Minnesota and maybe show up like once or twice a year to UFC events. Yeah. And so I think he negotiated that when he came back to WWE. He said that I'll do your shows, but I only want to be here maybe like one, two, three pay-per-views out of the year competing. Let Paul do the, let Paul do the promos and I'll do my promos from my home. And yeah. uh, But as fans, I mean, we're used to seeing you every fucking night. And now you're going to go to become this part-time performer? Like, really? Like, come on, man. <laughs> it's, like, not the same. I, I, I mean, being, being part of the family and being part-time is, like, I mean, it, it's, it's a good excuse. But, I mean, if you're going to be the, the title holder. If you, you're going to hold this, yeah, yeah you, you need to be there. Expected, yeah. Yeah. I mean, essentially, the way I look at it is this, okay? You're a veteran, and you have these up-and-coming guys who basically are now the main event guys, who are now who are, who are, who are basically going to be the next generation. And if, and if you're the title holder, and you're not there 300 days a week, like I mean, example is pure John Cena. John Cena was there every single night, you know. Yeah. And I mean, he never stopped, you know. I mean, and I thought John Cena wasn't that good of a wrestler, but like hell, I mean, he's there, you know. And if Brock Lesnar, if you're not there, but Brock, John Cena is there. I mean, the, the 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 younger guys who are now like you know now like the Roman Reigns, the the, the you know the Seth Rollins, all these AJ guys, Styles. AJ Styles, yeah. yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, these guys are like, wait, well, hey, 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 I guess age is more veteran because he's like the same age as both of them. But yeah. I mean, like, the younger guys, like who who WWE kind of fed, because like, AJ came from TNA. Like, I mean, these guys are like going to look at John Cena and be like, okay, yeah, we're going to respect you more. Lesnar, yeah, we'll work with you, but you know what? You're not you're not going to be able to give us anything. We're not going to be able to learn anything from you because you're not here 300 nights a year when when we are supposed to be here working all these house shows and traveling all across the country and all across the world, right? Yeah. So that's how I that's why I took a takeaway from that. You know, it's just I I just didn't get it, you know? So I I mean, uh hop, hopping away from WWE, have you ever like checked out that AEW? Oh yeah, of course. I love AEW with Jericho. I haven't, I haven't gotten to watch it yet. How is it? Oh, it's good. It's good. It's really good. Um the current champion's Kenny Omega. Mm-hmm. And uh Kenny Omega's a great, great wrestler. Um before him, John Moxley, aka Dean Ambrose. He was a champion yeah. for almost a year. Before I obviously Raw is Jericho was a champion, you know, and Jericho is obviously a phenomenal entertainer. And uh, it's funny, Ken Shamrock, I asked him about Jericho uh, because his last feud, his last match before he left WWF in 1999 was Jericho, who just debuted. And um, but like they're they're but they're they're misusing Shamrock's character so heavily at that point. They're making him do the most ridiculous shit. The Jericho match was a complete gimmick trash fest. I mean, you can look it up if you want. I mean, it was just like yeah. Jericho comes out in this suit. Ken Shamrock has a, they get these, these cans and they're just banging on each other. It's not the match made no sense and it was just stupid. But um, like Ken Shamrock, I asked him because he was a few years ago he was on an interview and he said that Jericho's a fake tough guy. And I asked him, I'm like, so did you mean that? And he's all like, well, yes, but he's like, I respect what Jericho's done. <laughs> you know, since yeah. he's putting the work, but let's make no mistake about it. Jericho is a great wrestler, but he is not a, a, a mixed martial arts world champion. You know, it's a completely yeah. two different ball games. So, yeah. 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 I, I, and I, I mean, you can't take mixed, I mean, mixed martial arts and wrestling, like they collide and they, they form together. But mm-hmm. like you got guys that are like oversized, like not even they don't even look like they're athletic, but I guess they can be. Like you got Braun Strowman who, who <laughs> like doesn't probably knows mixed martial arts, but like isn't that good at it? I mean, I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna sit here and sit sit behind a screen because like that dude would probably throw me. I know he would throw me like ten miles away. That that dude's huge. He's probably one of my favorite gimmicks right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't seen Seth Rollins in a while, but I haven't watched a little Raw. bit. I haven't watched. Yeah, I haven't watched in a little while. Yeah. No, but, I think. Yeah, and I think that point. Um, sorry, are, are, are you still going or? Uh, no, you can go. Yeah, no, I was basically saying I think I think that point I think with um with uh with Braun Strowman and kind of to your point about like the, like the size of these guys and you know I mean they look like I mean I think for example like Big Show like yeah Big Show Big Show looks like he's big enough and fast enough to compete in, in any sport like especially as football right why why he's not a football player but you know I mean like he I guess sometimes you know it's it's really hard I mean Brock Lesnar couldn't even make an NFL practice squad. You know, he was the last player cut from the Vikings, you know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Braun Strowman, obviously, like, and it's funny, he actually played semi-pro uh, before he got into to strongman competition. So uh, it's pretty cool. His story's pretty cool, too, you know, because he, uh, he went to college, he went to high school, he went, he went to Juco, then he started playing semi-pro football. Then he got into, then he got into, well, they got into strongman competitions. And then after that, then he broke into wrestling. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, you, your point's valid. I think I think it's just... We look for certain things as athletes, and like, but I think almost everyone in the WWE um, or even AEW, I mean, they 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 do have they do have some level of athleticism, which which got them to that point. But you know, obviously, on on paper or kind of to your point, on surface, you may not be able to see it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, Forty Nine er talk now. I mean, who who you think is going to be the next quarterback? I mean, I I still hope Jimmy G stays around a little bit longer. But, I mean, I, I'd love to I, – I'd probably take Stafford in the talks of him or uh, Watson. I'd probably take Stafford. So, it looks like Lynch, a story came out today that they're not going to pursue Stafford. So Really? Yeah. That's so sad. Be- I, I mean, I, would, I wouldn't pursue uh, Watson. I mean – The asking he, price is too high. The, yeah. yeah, the price is too high. And, like, all the drama that he's pulling and – and Houston right now, do I want a guy that's going to potentially maybe cause drama in yeah. San Francisco? And, and you got to look at, at it in like a health aspect too. He's already had a torn ACL and he's a mo- mobile quarterback. So why would you want a mobile quarterback that has already had one torn 
hadn't torn ACL surgery. Yeah, I mean, we've already, we, I mean, I mean, Jimmy G should be the example enough, you know, about that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could say the same of, about Jimmy G, but Jimmy G's not really a mobile quarterback. He's more of a pocket passer. No, he is. And, and, and I think that's uh, part of coming from uh, the Eastern Illinois system and then developing under the Belichick Brady system. I mean, he, he had Brady under his, uh, he was under Brady's wing. I don't know why I said he had Brady under his wing. <laughs> That's like the complete opposite. Right. I mean, if I had Brady under my wing, I guess I'd be the go then. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, no, actually, if you had Brady under your wing, then your name would, would be Drew Bledsoe. I mean, they they pretty much yeah. forget about you. So go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they did forget about Bledsoe, but they haven't forgotten about Brady. No, exactly. But um, the point is, if you have Brady under your wing, your name is going to be Bledsoe. They're going to forget about you because the goat's going to take over. So go, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> I mean... It's kind of messed up situation now because uh, he doesn't have uh, Belichick and now he's in the Super Bowl. Everyone was like, he's not going to be able to make it Super Bowl without Belichick. And now he's like, what? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think ultimately with um, with Belichick, with, with Brady gain to, to the Super Bowl, I mean, he basically silenced all the system QB uh, narratives Um, because system QB narratives basically started when Matt Castle took over, which was my freshman year. Of high of college ball, Brady, which was his uh his, his the first year he actually missed, you know, as starter. Um, you know, the Patriots went eleven and five with Matt Castle. And Matt Castle then gets traded to Kansas City, and Kansas City basically wins ten games uh, or eleven games and they make in the big playoffs. So the question was, okay, yeah, is Brady really that good? Because Castle went to another team, he led that team to the playoffs. He's a system QB. That's where yeah. I came from, right? Yeah. But essentially then obviously through the when the this past decade, Brady did win three Super Bowls and more than a quarterback. However, people were still giving credit to the defense because they didn't see enough from the offense, at least from Brady's side, besides Super Bowl, I think, uh, I would say 51, um, were for the critics, for the critics, because they were just like, okay, well, you know, Malcolm Butler won the first Super Bowl, and then basically, you know, this past Super Bowl, or the last Super Bowl that they won, I actually got to go watch that team, the Patriots, when they came to play the Bears when I was living in Chicago, um, and, and uh, basically, you know, that team was loaded on on, on all sides, on special yeah. teams, offense, and defense. So, and, and and in the Super Bowl, the Brady only had like 156 yards, you know, and they still won the game, you know. Yeah. So essentially, it was like, okay, is Brady really that good? So basically, this year, I mean, you put him in a new team, new system, with a new coach, with brand new personnel, you know, I mean, and he's able to lead that team, you know, to their to their second NFC championship in franchise history, you know, and. He gets he gets right back to the Super Bowl. You know, last year was a first round knockout. He loses in the first round. This year he's in the Super Bowl. I mean, the the system QB narrative is complete garbage. Either you can perform or you can't. You know, I mean, you can. Every team has a system. Every coach has a system. A system just means a scheme. You're gonna have a scheme wherever you go, right? So yeah. essentially, whichever scheme you 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 go to, you need to draft a QB that fits that scheme. Brady fit Brady Bel- Brady fit Belichick's scheme to 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 a T. You know, yeah. they're even talking about even before Drew Bledsoe got injured. They said they were going to start Tom be just because. I mean, I mean they were going to Scott Pioli was on record. He said, yeah, we're going to start him just because. I mean, we saw him in the, in the work he was putting in and his progression in the practice. He just wouldn't quit. You know, the great quarterbacks are the ones who just don't quit. The great players are the ones who basically go out there and say, we're going to go out and prove why we're great, you know, because we're just not going to allow ourselves to be any less than, 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 than perfect, you know, in yeah. every type of play. Brady's obviously a perfectionist. Belichick, to his credit, is also a perfectionist. Did they need each other? Yes. But did Brady mask some of Belichick's flaws in certain situations? He did. Did Belichick help Brady? Of course. But I think it's kind of like a partnership effort. Both are great in their own right, but I think Brady is still the greatest of all time because he didn't, I mean, he just proved it this year. He doesn't need to have Bill Belichick to win and make a Super Bowl. And if he wins, I mean, then there's no debate. So, yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, talking about, like, guys that never quit, I mean, Brady's obviously the greatest of all time. He's the he's the greatest I've ever seen because I never grew up, got to see the Joe Montana, Jerry Rice <laughs> era and stuff. Right. But, um, I think at the top of uh, top of the list of guys that never quit, I, in my opinion, it's Drew Brees. Drew Brees. I mean, did did you see the injuries that his oh. the injury that, yeah. his, that he played through this year? He played through a torn rotator cuff. Uh, he had something else in his leg, and then he had broken ribs, and then uh, a collapsed lung. 
yeah. playing playing through a season, and the entire season was a rotator cuff, I believe, on the throwing shoulder. That that's tough. That's, it that's is. tough. On, but I mean, if if he's had plans to retire all season, I could see why he did it. Cause it's my last season. I don't want to be out all season with a torn rotator cuff and what's they're going to say, even though I'm retiring, I don't want to retire being hurt. Like and, on the, on the IR list, you know? And is that, and, 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 and that's, that's actually a really good point. You know, he doesn't want to, he wants to retire like on top. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to come back and play through because the injuries he's had, he's had are just, are just basically brutal. I mean, yeah. the man had nine fractured, nine nine ribs broken or fractured at some point in the season, and a punctured lung. <laughs> and, and he and he and he still played through that. I mean, they had Taysom Hill and Jameis. They mixed it up, you know, at certain points. But I mean, he came back and he still played and. I mean, his arm obviously was a direct byproduct of what you just mentioned—the rotator cuff injury. I mean, the rotator cuff on throwing shoulder, especially when you when you drop back. I mean, it limits your mobility so much that you can't even. I mean, it's basically like you can only probably go like this much. You have this much range of, or I guess, I guess this much degree of motion yeah. whenever you're trying to turn, and it's it's not a fun injury. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, Drew, 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 Drew's definitely a warrior. He never quit. Um, he's probably the best story in my opinion outside of Tom. Um, yeah. Because Drew was Drew was basically shipped away for a bag of potatoes in 2004 when they drafted Phil Rivers, or 2006 or whenever it was. I forgot. I think it was 04. But basically, then uh, the the New Orleans Saints he 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 leads him to AFC Championship the first year and they win the Super Bowl three years later. And that was my sophomore year playing at West Valley. So, uh, you know, Drew Brees obviously you know a huge kind of um, influence on 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 millions of people obviously because. You know, his, his story was also, like you said, never quit, never die. You know, he was an undersized quarterback. He was a guy that was not considered to be number one option after a certain, certain time period passed by in San Diego, now L.A. And uh, he basically proved everyone wrong, and he outclassed almost every quarterback statistically. There's there's a little video uh, out there on Facebook, and uh, it, the Saints posted it. It was like a nine for number nine. Yeah. And it was like a story of, like of him growing up, like his, his, I think it said his parents got divorced and, uh, he grew up in, uh, I think it said the Dallas area, I think. And they found this high school, I think it was like a Christian school. So they transferred in there. And, uh, when he was, when he got into high school, he was like the very bottom of the totem pole. The coaches didn't think they were, he was going to be good. And, uh, their JV, JV quarterback got hurt, so it forced them to play Breeze, and Breeze was just showing out like he was lights out. And uh, then their starter on the varsity got hurt, which left him no option but but to start Breeze on the varsity team. And he took him to the state championship, and uh, it, it was it was a wild story. It was like it was like a comeback kid type story. You know you know what I mean. Yeah, 100%. And I think to that story, I think one of the craziest things about that is that people don't really talk about this, but Drew Brees, the high school he went to that you mentioned, that's the same high school that Nick Foles went to. Really? They both, yeah, they both went to the same uh, Westlake Christian High School in Austin, in Texas. And, Austin, uh, yeah. Yeah, and so basically, and I actually visited Austin not too long ago because I, I, I got invited to, to, to do a tour of, of UT Austin's facility, um, and it was phenomenal. I mean, Daryl K. Royal Stadium is fucking amazing i mean they have the full trophy display the heismans and you get to go to the national championship room in the middle and they have vince young's jersey on display ricky williams earl campbell it's it's it's, it's amazing amazing campus um and essentially kind of to your to to what you just kind of talked about about drew Brees' story um the reason yeah obviously yes i mean basically he wasn't he was considered to not be big enough or, or strong enough or good enough to to start for his team and so they basically were just going with whoever else was the guy and just by a stroke of luck, by injury, Drew Brees got his opportunity. Sometimes that's what it takes. You know, there's a lot of guys who are who, who didn't make the NFL, but it wasn't that they didn't have the talent. You know, it was the fact that, you know, they just, for whatever, for whatever reason, they never got the opportunity, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've had guests on the show, you know, guys who I played with who transferred to these top-tier D1 universities, and they just didn't get to play, you know? Sometimes those politics, like what you, re- what you, re- what yeah. you reference about, you know, like, oh, yeah, the coach's son is going to play because – you know, he's the coach's son. He fucking sucks. He's slow, and but you know we'll have him play because he's the coach's son. 
Um, and then finally when the coach's son gets injured, then they get to play, you know, but I mean, by the time they, he gets injured, it's their senior year. And like by one year of film is not going to be enough for you to compete against guys who've been starting two to three years, you know, at, at, at that level. Yeah. So, I mean, essentially it's just something to consider. It's like, well, you know, yes, Drew Brees did get the, Drew Brees made the most of his opportunity. And that's why he's the, obviously, if not the greatest, you know, one of the greatest of all time, but essentially, you know, you need to get those opportunities, um, because if you don't get those opportunities, you're just basically shit, shit out of luck. Yeah. For lack of a term. Yeah. So. And that goes to the people that are watching or listening to this. Uh, I mean, once you get the opportunity to just take it and run with it, like as far as you can, I mean, if it gets to the point to where you can't go any farther, then try and try and find another way around that barrier, whether, whether you have to crawl or climb, if it's on fire, pour, pour a little water on it, then go through it, you know? I mean, it's all about breaking barriers and all sorts of different types of aspects, whether you're big or small or slow. I mean, you could do almost anything you want, in my opinion. It just it's your mentality and how you how you think about it. hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, it's funny because when I was talking to Ken about this yesterday, he uh, we talk about this. Um, I was an undersized receiver who had not played in high school, trying to make it out, make it out the JUCO level. He himself went through juvenile halls, all the different fights as a kid, in and out of, of, um, of different foster homes before he made it to Shamrock Boys Home. And then he was finally adopted by um, by Bob Shamrock and his family. And then basically, he's uh, now he's at Shasta trying to, trying to now he basically got his opportunity to play football um, in high school and he's wrestling high school. Um, but he's a special ed, so he has to kind of work work around that. And then he finally gets out, and he finishes and goes to Shasta. He had an opportunity to go to a university, but because of you know how his grades were, he just wasn't able to do it, you know. And um, but he still was able to make the most opportunity. You know, he realized that by the time he had such a great JUCO career, he got invited to trial for the Chargers. You wow. know, I had such a great JUCO career, I got invited to trial for the San Jose SaberCats. I'm five ten, one thirty five coming in. I leave like five ten, one fifty five. I'm still a little kid, but I'm fast. You know, I'm fast. I'm coordinated. My hands are good, and I'm able to kind of play any position that they need me to play. I'm willing to play out position if needed, yeah. you know. And that was very attractive to the Arena Football League at that time because Arena Football Leagues were were much faster. They want little guys who can like you know maneuver because if you know how to run angles, you'll be very effective on a 50-yard field versus a 100-yard field, right? Yeah. And so to your point about kind of kind of what you're saying to like all the listeners out there, and I'm just gonna kind of kind of repeat your sentiments. Anyone listening, understand that. And this is what Ken said yesterday. If you are, if you guys were listening to yesterday's episode, if you're a winner, you're gonna find a way to win. You're not gonna look at your broken um your broken thumb, your 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 fractured wrist. You're not gonna look at the, uh, the fact that the guy has 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 however many pounds above you. You're not gonna look at the fact that you're third on a depth chart. You're not gonna look at that. You're basically gonna look at kind of whatever you can do to overcome that obstacle in that situation to the fullest level of 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 of, of sheer will. Your will is what's gonna define your success. There's no other way around it. If you have will, you'll make it. You know, if you have will, you'll get the rings. If you have will, you'll go out there and you'll showcase yourself enough to where you'll get recognized for your efforts and to the point where people are going to want your autograph one day. You know, that's why I tell everyone: grind and see your name has value. You keep grinding, and you and your name will have value. You're going to have people just just clamoring, you know, across different countries who have never you've never met before. You know, and essentially that's the number one thing. You know, if your disposition is only one thing. You define your success. Your circumstances only define a, a fraction of your success. If you can find a way, if you if you can find your disposition, if you can maneuver your disposition around whatever obstacle you have built in front of you, there's there's no stopping you, man. And and, and that's and we're talking about football, but that, that's for anything. I mean, it could be business, it could be life, it could be a relationship, it can be war. I mean, it could be work, it could be whatever you know anything that you're dealing with a personal issue right just keep memory man just keep going because nothing's the only one who can stop you is yourself and that's it 100 percent. so yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah i i liked how you ordered that that was that was perfect right on the spot you yeah. you, you just hit it right on top of the head right hey, there man. Hey man, when you've been playing this game as long as I have, you better be able to hit on top of the head. <laughs> <laughs> so, otherwise, yeah. otherwise, my listening, my audience would be very disappointed. 
Like, man, what the fuck, 81? Come on, dude. <laughs> We're waiting for... <laughs> How long you been playing, man? <laughs> you don't know? You Didn't you coach, too? Yeah, I did. <laughs> what What was the 81 number uh, inspired by to you? Like, did anyone inspire you or number one, 81? Or... Yeah. Uh, my senior year, when I was trying to... When I was, when I was conditioning and doing weight training, uh, that was the year the Patriots went uh, 16-0. And uh, my favorite player uh, was on the, was traded to there, and so I basically took it Who after him, Mr. Randy Gene Moss. Oh, Randy Moss. <laughs> and I, and you yeah. know, if you had eighty-five, I probably would have said Ocho Cinco, maybe. Ocho Cinco, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean Ocho Cinco was also not one of my favorite receivers, but it was Randy Moss, Twins. So basically, when I went to West Valley, um, I, I chose that San City. No one asked me when I went to West Valley. I was thinking about taking 80 for Jerry Rice during 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 jury, jury selection day, but 80 was taken by the guy right in front of me because he was sophomore and I was and I was kind of a freshman-ish or kind of kind of like a transfer, so the transfers get last priority. And then basically, then uh, then 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 oh, what number you want? You want 82 or 81? I'm like 81. Everyone goes T.O. T.O. I'm like no, nah, dude. I'm not taking for T.O. I'm taking for Randy. But I mean it's whatever. I mean they call me T.O. I'm like oh right, that works. But basically, with Randy Moss, um, the funny thing was my school, because my school was the Vikings, and he was on the Patriots. So 84 was like a tight end number, because it was like a 6'5 dude wearing 84. And I'm like 5'10. I'm like, there's no fucking way I'm going to wear 84, dude. I'm 5'10. I, I, I'm going to have to wear a fucking something that's actually going to fit a slot, right? So 81 was yeah. the best number for me at that point, because Randy Moss, my favorite player. Um, fast forward nine years later, uh, I basically, this is right before I decided to come out and try and play for these guys, the Falcons. Uh, I post on IG. I'm all like, you know, it's, it's my birthday, my April second. It's like, it's my, it's my, it's my 20th birthday. Got to commemorate the the best birthday ever, commemorating the two greatest Viking receivers of all time. Number 81, Osfali. Number 84, Randy G Moss. I tag him. What happens the next day? I look in my comment section. Check mark, Randy Moss. Happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, crazy. Hey. Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, talking about the Patriots. Did you hear uh, Gronk, Gronk on a podcast talking about the st- story of him retiring? My God, dude! That oh, yeah, go, go go and talk to me because I mean I'm still kind of confused as to why he even retired if he was gonna come out. So 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 what so what happened was the Patriots were actually about to trade him to Detroit, and uh, that when when uh, I guess someone walked into the locker room or something like that, uh, he he. They said they told him, "Hey, you're getting traded to Detroit." He was like, "No, I'm not." And they're like, "Yeah, you are. What do you mean?" He was like, "I'm retired. You can't do that." <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, I, I guess him and Brady FaceTimed him after he signed that contract with Tampa Bay. I was like, "Hey, man, you gotta come out to Tampa. Uh, I just signed a contract here." He's like, "100% will." And, and, you know, it, it's probably just like it, it's a quarterback tight end chemistry there. And if you have a good good quarterback and good tight end, like I, I believe Jimmy G and George Kittle have, have that chemistry there. It, it's like a Derek Carr and Darren Waller type of type of situation, you know, like like it's one of those things. But them guys have been doing it for so long. You know, it's, it's just like one of those things. They've been to so many Super Bowls together, including this one. Yeah, and I think kind of to that point, you're right. Um, when you when you have familiarity, um, when you have familiarity with your teammate, and I can test this at the arena level, um, you basically you, your your chances of success are higher. Um, me, reason I say that is because there are three different arena teams I tried out for: the San Jose SaberCats of the AFL, the, the Stockton Wolves of the AIF, and then the uh, California Eagles. Where I got this one right. So the California Eagles are basically the Wolves rebranded. The Sabercats has had had coach Steve Pappen, who if you look him up online, he's a, he's an arena football league legend, Steve Pappen, and he was there at at, at the at the California Eagles um, tryout. So basically, the route combinations that they ran, you know, during my tryout were stuff I knew from like jump, you know, I mean slants up the middle, digs, double crosses, you know, against cover two, you know, goal to the post, you know, I mean either you know sometimes they put me one time they put me on outside and I and I ran a and I ran a post and I was like all right cool you know this works right, but um. It's because of familiarity, and so back to Brady and Gronk, and back to kind of Kittle and Jimmy and uh, Jimmy G and, and Kittle. Um, I mean, specifically with the Niners, I got to go meet. Uh, I got to go to the NFC Championship game last year. I got to meet George Kittle's parents. I got to meet Nick Bosa's parents because I was sitting right next to them um, in the friends and family section. I, I I got to talk to Bruce Kittle, George George's dad, about kind of wow. about yeah, exactly. So we had a great conversation. 
I told him I play in the AFL. I said, do you want to see my, do you want to see, I show my Wikipedia page. I show him my kind of my Falcons profile. I'm like, do you want to see a film? He's like, nope. He's all like, he's like, he's like, he's like, great career, brother. And I'm like, appreciate it. And we started, start, but we just started kind of bouncing ideas off each other. The, the number one thing I extrapolate from him was the fact that George Kittle was, was the most versatile player at his position at every level, not yeah. just in the NFL. From high school to Iowa and then to the Niners, and we've seen that the Niners, he can literally do whatever. He can do it all. Yeah. You, and you I, and, and, and yeah. I mean, going go, going to Iowa, they they were going to put him at fullback, and he said, I'm not going to be a fullback. Right. I'm going to be a tight end. And it, it's kind of like that George Kittle mentality he's got. It's, it's like, if, if, you're, if you're in my way, I'm going to run you over. You know, he, he's like, he's like a, bigger than Derrick Henry, but he's like, Derek, it's like a Derrick Henry stiff arm at tight end. And essentially, that's the biggest thing to take away because George Kittle is one of those players who basically has a size to basically run you over. And even Travis goes like, yeah. like George Kittle's like a man beast. He can just run anyone over, and he can. He literally can, you know, because he, he has he has the size and the build to do that. Essentially, um, you know, but yeah, to your point about chemistry, Jimmy G is a lot more comfortable with killing the offense. C.J. Beathard played with Kittle at Iowa, and that's why when C.J. started, he looked so good because he had George back, right? Would, yeah. would C.J. look as good without Kittle? I don't think so, you know? No. And essentially, I, I kind mean, of, go ahead. Uh, sorry to interrupt. But, I mean, I mean in, my, in my opinion, Beathard's not starting worthy. He, yeah. he may be second string worthy. I mean, Mullins is bare barely second string worthy and it's just I, I i get on social media all the time and everyone's ragging on jimmy garoppolo like what did jimmy garoppolo do wrong because the last time i checked it's a team effort and last the last time i checked we got kittle out we've been dealing with injuries all year we don't have our full starting roster and then on top of that you don't have your defensive mo- motivator with nick bosa yeah, well, you had your movie with with uh with Bob Saleh, but now he's gone. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, we we just basically don't have our we don't have our best player on defense, basically, you know. Yeah, we're missing we're missing Nick, right? And um, and, and I think and I think your point's massive in the sense that yeah, their injuries plagued our team this year, but um, uh, well, not our team, but the team that we follow, right? Because I can't, yeah. I mean, these are the teams I didn't play for the Niners, but uh, essentially, um, you know, with the with the with the Niners, right? Like Nick Bosa and his dad too. I spoke to John Bose after the game and, you know, kind of got his insights. And he's like, yeah, he's like, Nick is literally one of those guys. You can put him at any position. You can line him inside. You can line him on the edge. Three technique, four technique, whatever. The motherfucker will will, will, will run you over. The kid is a beast, right? And essentially yeah. kind of the same thing with, um, yeah, with George and kind of, you know, back to your point about chemistry. Like, chemistry is a big thing. Like, you know, you need to have your guys healthy. With Gronk, the reason why he wanted to retire the first time was injuries. He had too many injuries. He he, he couldn't stay healthy because he's, yeah. he took too many hits. And essentially, after his injuries, he's like, all right, you know, he's out of here. Got his body healthy. And then by the time Brady comes back, okay, yeah. He's like, that's why he never filed his retirement papers. He was waiting to see what was going to happen this offseason, and then he decided to go to Tampa Bay. But you see how much better Brady is with him than he is without him, right? One season without Gronkowski, Brady yeah. is a first-round exit. One season with Gronkowski, Brady's back in the Super Bowl, right? It's crazy. And so, essentially, yeah. like, same thing with Jimmy. Like, but, you know, I'm not going to say I completely lost faith in Jimmy. I just think you have to be available. I mean, I can't I can't sit here and say Jimmy G is our answer. Yes, we've committed to him, you know, long term. But he's the type of guy you, you – you, if you pay the guy $140 million, you need him – you expect him to be there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. And, the, and the crazy thing about it is, if, if you notice, like every time uh, we start Jimmy G, I, it always comes out to be a Niner win, whether it's by – a. Uh, Robbie Gold field goal or, you know, miracle touchdowns. I like, like the time we were playing the Cowboys and we're down like 20 something points and Bethard, I think it was just winged it downfield to the end zone to, uh, not born Kendrick born. I remember that was the last play of the game. There was like three seconds left. I was like, we got a touchdown, but we didn't win. I was like, this is not going to be good when I come across my cowboy friends. Yeah, well, you know, that's what's going to be. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes you need you need that. <laughs> you need that I mean, for those. I, those. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I guess it's their motivator, but we were in the Super Bowl last year. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, essentially, I mean, like, yeah. I mean, the point of the matter is, and this is kind of a good way to close this episode, is just that 
the best teams know how to utilize the best um I guess I guess you say yeah the best um tandems. You know, the Jimmy G to George Kittle, the Brady to Gronkowski, um, you know, and obviously the Mahomes to Kelsey, Mahomes to Hill, you know. Um, it's looking it, it the best teams know how to leverage their their personnel, right? And essentially kind of with that, you know, I mean with uh, with the Niners, I think the Niners basically um, you know, we have we have good pieces in place, but I mean we still we still need to figure things out because yeah, even if we get a full squad healthy back, what happens if Jimmy G gets injured? Like, you know, I mean, if he gets injured again, we're going to basically have to kind of look into, you know, try to get a new, uh, a brand new type of uh, QB, a brand new type of scheme. So, I mean, essentially, these are types of things that we're going to have to consider in the offseason. The fact that Lynch isn't pursuing Stafford is kind of troubling for me personally, because I think Stafford is a much better option. Um, but, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens this offseason. We'll see what happens with the Super Bowl. Um, but, yeah, I'm looking forward to the Super Bowl just because of the, the narratives and the matchups and... Um, yeah, should be fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, closing thoughts, Ryan. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I think I learned a lot from you from uh, doing this. I I had a lot of fun. Thanks for having me, man. 100%. I appreciate it. 100%, yeah, man. That picture hasn't came in yet. I mean, it's, it says it's here, but I think it's just sitting at the post office. They haven't distributed it out yet. Yeah, so, so. we'll probably, probably get there by Monday. Yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll probably be in my P.O. box on Monday. Okay. Or something like that. So. Sure. All yeah. right. No, I can't wait to too see. Bad can... Yeah, too bad you can bring it on today, oh, yeah. right? <laughs> it would be yeah. nice. It would be nice. Yeah, that would have been pretty cool. Yeah. It's okay, man. You post on social media. I mean, I mean, I'll make sure people see it. So, just can't oh, wait. Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah, I'm excited to see it. Likewise. Right, thanks likewise. for having me, man. All right, you too, man. Take care. Hey, and uh, once again, yeah. thank you for your service, brother. Take care. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Ho- hopefully, right. we could do this again. Sometime. Hopefully soon. All right. Sounds good, man. Yeah. Yeah. See you, man. See you.